back, everyone. It's episode 81 of Murphy's Law. Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva. We had quite a bit of Marvel news to start off the week and to end the week, and some controversy mixed in in the middle. We're ready to jump into it, but let's check in with Charles and see what's going on with him today. Uh, nothing much. Just uh, watch the Snyder Cut trailer, which uh, I'm sure we have interesting stuff to say, but uh, what about you? What's been going on with you? Yeah, not much. It's cold as hell here, and we got like a surprise 13 inches of snow between Friday and Oof. Saturday that, that weren't forecasted, so mm. it's been pretty wild uh, the last couple days here in, in Michigan weather-wise. Yeah, but so uh, let's dive into the a quick Snyder Cut, I guess, break down our discussion. Well, you saw it. What did you think? You Were you amazed by uh, some of the stuff that we haven't seen yet? Are you excited to see more of the... Snyder vision. I continue to have a really hard time getting too excited about it. Um, obviously, it's going to be a different movie than the one we saw. But I, you know, having seen the movie already, um, I'm not, I'm not getting chills and getting super fired up every time I see a new, a new little bit of footage for it. We've talked about it before. Obviously, I'm going to watch it and uh, and see how it goes. But nothing in that trailer had me pulling my hair and screaming. Not even the big money shot of the the Joker at the end. Um, actually, actually, for a minute, I was like, "Who the fuck's that?" And uh, <laughs> and then I realized it was a Joker. Um, but it's it's certainly got some impressive CG, uh, some VFX or whatever. It, it's it, the the thing that stands out to me is just just incredibly dark. Um, and I don't just mean like the mood. Like it's just a very the all the dark side apocalypse stuff is just bleak and dark looking so i'm interested to see how that plays out um i wasn't sure what was going on with superman in the beginning and i i did think i guess the thing i did like the most was seeing him in the black suit that was probably the the highlight of it for me so uh what about you what'd you think uh, it's it's hard for me to get excited knowing how the film turned out i get that apparently it's like a more than half of the of the of the of the stuff we've seen in the, the movies is actually some stuff that Apparently Zach didn't shoot, so so I, I guess this one's gonna be his full vision. But it's hard for me to get excited, knowing that the shit movie, some of the shit movies, might still end up here. And uh, like un- until I find out, this is a completely fucking new thing where literally nothing in the movie is making onto this. Nothing, none of the plot points are, are making it onto this. It, it's hard for me to get excited because. I feel like the bare bones of the Whedon cut is sort of evident here. You see Steppenwolf, he still looks really shitty. Like you said, some of the some of the stuff on Apocalypse, the dark side, everything, granny goodness, and it's it's not visually it's not what I sort of imagined them looking like when they first do have their cinematic debut. Like you said, very dreary, it's very it's very bleak. It, lots of grays, lots of browns, lots of blacks, lots of silvers. It, it, it at some point it gets a uh, it gets a bit a bit a bit tedious for the eyes for me. So at least on that level, it's kind of like you know it's not working for me. I mentioned to you early before we recorded that the CG looks impressive, but again everything looks CG. I'm getting a Phantom Menace clone uh, Attack of the Clones vibes here, where everything literally from the environment to Every uh, city background that the superheroes are in, it's like all 
CG. And I kind of, I'm, I'm looking for that sort of tangible thing where, oh, it's a real city, it's a real place. Similar to something like, I don't know, like Shazam, where they pretty much, you know, they, they used a bit of practical here and there, but the world feels real. Here, it just looks like a fucking video game. And even as a video, an avid video gamer, it's kind of like, I, I still want that sort of realness, that that tangibility, that practical effects offer. But I mean, like you said, the Joker stuff, I know people are kind of making fun of that line he, he says that we live in a society. It's like one of those things where really, they're really having Jared Leto say that. And like, yeah, I was kind of like wondering who was talking at first because he kind of doesn't sound like the Suicide Squad version of uh, Joker we saw. But I mean, if Zach filmed stuff with Jared during the pandemic just to have him have him there, he must be really excited. But I'm not that much excited for 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 Jared Leto showing up. But yeah, overall, it's a uh, it's a very overwhelming trailer for me. Yeah, it's um, I, I get the feeling that that was supposed to be like the big that that when I saw Jared Leto turn around, I was supposed to be really excited, and it just I, I guess I missed it. Um, I guess I'm not. Everyone probably knows if you've been listening. I'm not the world's biggest Leto fan in the first place, and I thought his version of the Joker was my least favorite version of the Joker that I've seen on on screen or on film or TV. Um, but yeah, it's I'm at the point where because I know we, we've seen the movie, we know the story, the trailers aren't doing a lot. I'm just at the point where I just want to see this and, uh, you know, and, and get on, get to that moving on, I guess, um, getting through it, the four-hour cut or whatever we have. Uh, moving on to some of the stuff that we missed last week. We weren't able to talk about the Falcon trailer that dropped uh, during Super Bowl Sunday. So what are your thoughts about the yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer? Yeah, we recorded early Sunday and then we... Uh, yeah. We had the the trailer drop during the Super Bowl. They did the the cool thing where they only give you the thirty second spot, but revealed mm-hmm. the larger trailer online. Um, I I was happy to see the the biggest thing that the thing that stood out the most to me was how awesome Madripoor looked. We had a lot of set photos of Madripoor that we had exclusively on the site, and I, we know a lot about what goes on when they go there. Um, but seeing it fully realized and, and lit up and all the cool stuff they did with it um, and the scenes that they went through. Like we saw the inside of, of the Brass Monkey Bar there, which we had the the pictures of all that. Um, I really, that was the big highlight to me was just seeing how cool Madripoor looked. And I think from, from a standpoint of how they're marketing it, it really, as opposed to WandaVision, and I, like I, and I know that WandaVision is, is different um, and it was supposed to be different, but I like that they marketed it. Um, essentially the same way they did something like Captain America, the winter soldier, it feels like a movie that's just going to be a six hour long movie instead of something that's, you know, a weekly episodic series. They're, they're not marketing it that way. They're really making you feel like this is going to be one big long movie. I saw a bunch of people describe the trailer as like, you know, like a fast and the furious movie. And Mm -hmm. it kind of leans towards it because they really sort of show the, uh, the body, the, the the body cop humor that they're they're trying to do. It's kind of like Riggs and Murta sort of being a pain in, in each other's asses. And even that bit in the end where they're just sort of staring, doing like a staring <laughs> contest. It was kind of weird to see them really, really lean towards that, lean into to that sort of that, that kind of silly humor. But I guess it works because people absolutely love it. I'm curious how their chemistry is going to be like now that Steve uh, Chris Evans isn't there. 
Chris Evans was always always seemed like the uh, like a buffer to both of them. And mm-hmm. then curious how that's going to work. Obviously, we see that shot uh, with the with the Zemo carrying his purple mask, which looked cool on top of that container, that yep. shipyard. And then we also got scenes of uh, Aaron Kellerman kicking ass, which we now know to be Carly Morgenthau, Flag Smasher. That uh, where did that come from? Did that come from a from a shirt or something? Yeah, it came from some merchandise on on Zazzle or something like that. Yeah. And that's something that um, you know we've we've sat on for quite a while. Um, and I, I thought last week I, I tried to clear up some of the bullshit that was out there about her playing Ricky Barnes or her playing Sin or her playing um, who else did they or her playing Diamondback Melissa Gold. Um, and that's one of those ones that we've were asked kind of to hold off on. And then only for it to get leaked via via marketing, uh, like a, a month before the show. So, yeah, that it was. You know, she's in there, and they make a point to say that she kicked uh, Bucky's ass, which would you you would have to think that if these flag smashers are going toe to toe with Bucky, um, that they've got they're somehow juiced up, right? And it's yeah. not just uh, not just the same uh, character from the comics. They were definitely taking some some liberties here and making some adaptations, but. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Like we, we were the site that that broke the news that Kellyman was in it. Now, over the past month or so, we found out that she's actually probably the lead, one of the the big leads of the series. Not just you know just some side uh, adventure that they have to go fight her for the the big fight scene on there. She's she's mm-hmm. in the whole series and she leads this group of flag smashers. And she seems like she's going to be a real badass. So it's, it was pretty cool to, to see all that kind of come out this week and uh, see how far, how far back we were on top of it. It is kind of weird to see barely any John Walker footage here. We've been getting mm-hmm. the same John Walker footage since, I don't know, the fucking Super Bowl spot last year. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same scene of the, that football field, that like homecoming scene where he high fives the cheerleader. It's kind of like, it is, it, it, it's, it's so weird for me that that's the only thing we're getting. I wonder why they're sort of withholding some of that stuff. Maybe is, is every fucking John Walker moment a huge spoiler that they can't even show like a glimpse of that? Because we know he's there. He's even he's he's even like dead center in the poster, albeit like a small, like a tiny version of him. But it's weird for me that they're withholding him from marketing. Maybe the maybe the general audiences don't know that there's another Captain America here. Could could that be the case? I guess it I guess it has to be because for people, you know, the hardcore fans, we know he's Captain America. We've seen the posters on set of saying Cap is back with John Walker in the new outfit. Um, they even showed the outfit at Comic Con when they announced him. Um, you know, and, and so like, I don't know why they're hiding it. And even in the spot, even what they do show in the spots, they trot him out onto the field with a big, a captain America symbol on the field. Um, so I, I don't know what there is to hide. I don't think it's super spoilery. Um, but I guess they're, they're just going to leave the reveal of him and, and how he works for, uh, for the show, which is fine. I mean, there's, they're, the way they're marketing it is. They're certainly aiming it at a younger audience. I, I guess that was my thought by watching the trailer between the the hard pounding music and all the action and stuff. There, it's it's definitely being marketed completely differently than WandaVision and definitely aimed at maybe like you know sixteen to to thirty five year olds that they yeah. they want to just like 
be super amped up to watch this. And so maybe the stuff they have with him is kind of boring and, and uh, there are anything they could show might be a little bit boring and they're just going to wait and see. Didn't they also like settle on a, like a TV rating for this recently? I saw a lot of people yeah. sort, of, sort of lose their shit over, I think it was like R16 people are like, oh my God, it's going to be so violent. It's going to be like Daredevil. I love it. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I still don't understand how having like a, like a gritty rating excites people, especially for like a property like this. It's never like R16 or R18 in, R, R18 in the comics. It's always worked as a PG-13 um, property. Like every single one of these. Daredevil. Punisher might be the only exception because we've had, we actually have Punisher Max. But all the other stuff, they work perfectly fine on the PG-13 setting. Yeah, it, and I guess I, I imagine it's just going to be... Um, it's, not, it's obviously not going to be a language thing because it's on Disney+. Plus, So they're not going to be dropping a bunch of F-bombs. I guess it's just going to be a lot of fighting and uh, maybe some some blood and stuff like that that you'll you know that we'll have to watch. But nothing, I don't I don't see it being anything that's overly violent and dark because it wouldn't make it to Disney Plus if that was the case. Yeah, well we'll see. Hopefully they got some good stuff uh, planned over there. Talking to the Winter Soldier because WandaVision is uh, delivering on the goods, so we can only hope that maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier lives up to. The uh, the quality that WandaVision has set up, um, I think, and I think it's really important that it's going to be so different. Um, it's yeah. going to follow it right up, right? It's going to be two weeks yeah. later, but it's going to be so different that mm. it's going to that's going to limit the comparisons. I, I would think, like obviously, people are still going to try to to do it, but it's going to be pretty apples to oranges to try to compare those two properties. Right. Anyway, we had a scoop this week about Spider Verse. Um, Apparently, the villain is going to be The Spot, which is, uh, as a huge uh, Mark Wade Daredevil fan, where The Spot actually played a key part. This makes me super excited. I think on a visual level, uh, The Spot would work perfectly so well for an animated movie. Like, imagine the the kinds of shit they can actually pull off with the stuff they've already, they've already pulled off with the first movie. I can only imagine how crazy it is. I mean, he's got super crazy powers that sort of tie into the the multiverse stuff the the all the other dimensions and whatnot so i absolutely love that the spot is a possible spider-verse villain are you excited for the spot or do you want to see some someone else no i you know as soon as i heard this and this is a new source for us so um this will be the first time we find out if we how how uh how legit the source is right um but it makes a ton of sense like you said visually and to to think about like this is a character that sure they could put him in a live action movie, but putting him in an animated movie is going to be the perfect thing because if you put him in a live action movie, it would pretty much be all animated anyway, right? You obviously have to do a shit ton of CG work for something like this, but in this in this environment in this genre, it's going to be great. And uh, the the animators for the first one, especially you think like in that the scene at the end where everything was just falling apart. And all the cool stuff they pulled there, that can be the whole movie, or at least every scene that involves the spot. Um, you can get some of those, like those cool visuals out of the comics, where like the one we put included in the article, where uh, Spidey goes to punch the spot and ends up punching himself in the face because yeah. the spot opens up a portal. Um, it's just so many, like endless, endless opportunities to do stuff really cool like that if you're creative. And we already know that the people who worked on into the Spider-Verse are geniuses. And so you're going to come up with, you're going to get to see some really, really cool stuff. And so I think, yeah, he's just the perfect villain for a sequel. 
you think he's gonna he's going to be like the sole villain, or are we gonna get a bunch of other crazy D-list wacky villains here? I would like to see some of the other ones. I, I, yeah. I like maybe some of the superior foes could show up. I don't mm-hmm. think like I think I think the spot is going to be great as as the main villain and the person who is tied into the Spider-Verse stuff. But just like with the first one, I don't think it works with just one villain. Like, and there's no reason to to try to to just narrow it down to one when you can put in two or three others and give them side roles. So yeah, I think you could get some of those some of those superior foes would fit in really well here with a goofy character like the spot. Mm, yeah. Uh moving on to Captain Marvel 2 news. Zowie Ashton was uh cast as the uh the film's big bad according to Deadline. And I saw a lot of people go crazy over this apparently she has a huge fan base. Uh but what are your thoughts about Zowie Ashton playing uh the villain? Who do you think it is? So I, I remember the first time I remember Zowie Ashton's name coming across my radar was in a in regards to a role for Loki. Um, and I think she Ooh. might have been involved in the role that ended up eventually going to Gugu. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember at the time people being I got tons of tips. She's in Atlanta. She's we think she's in it. And it turned out the reason she was in Atlanta is that she was date. She may still be dating. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. So, Mm -hmm. and I know that they've talked to her for other projects before. I've not ever seen her in anything, um, but I'm well aware of who she is. And this, and she does have like a a really big following um, and people are really excited for this. And so, you know, I, you know, the Luminarity put the story out maybe the day before that deadline ran it, that, that she was in the mix and deadline then confirmed that she had the role. So um, as for who she's playing, I know we know absolutely nothing about Captain Marvel 2 at the moment. I think we all assume it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, tied into the Secret Invasion series and it's going to be like the big climactic conclusion of all that stuff. And so the the biggest, the the theory that's out there that I see the most is that she's playing the skull, the scroll queen. Um, to me, that's cool. But if she's playing, I don't, you know, I've never said her name out loud before. What do you think? Do you say Varanki, Varanka? What do you say? I say Varank. Okay. So the thing about playing a Skrull and casting someone like Zoe Ashton as that, if that's who she's playing, she's never going to be her. Like the whole point is you're not going to know who she is and there's, mm-hmm. and there's going to be, um, you know, like, oh my gosh, there's a big reveal. So she'd never be playing herself. She'd she'd obviously be playing someone else the whole time as a scroll. And so why do you even cast another actress, a, a big actress, in, in a role like that? Like if she was imitating Brie Larson, you would just have Brie Larson in the role for 95% of the movie. So you know, there's there's that opportunity there. Um, it, knowing that Monica Rambo is in the movie, um, one of the other. Uh, possibilities that came to mind for me was that she could be playing Moonstone, who is a, like pretty much one of Captain Marvel's biggest members of her rogues gallery, but also went up against Monica Rambo in the comics. Um, so I, you know, that's that's got to be an option too. Moonstone seems like the most logical, simply for the fact that she's she, she's the nemesis of the, of a Carol Danvers. It's like she's she's like an evil mirror to to Carol. But then again, yeah. like you said. The secret invasion stuff and how it could potentially tie into Captain Marvel too. Her possibly playing playing Verank, the Skrull Queen, definitely works. But I also I was also thinking last night, what if they sort of combine both? What if uh, Moonstone Carlos Hoffman is is a Skrull? 
she she yeah, takes up an identity and she ends up actually having power. She becomes like so, some sort of super scroll before we actually get super scroll. I think that could work. You you sort of take the best of both worlds and you know make a fucking super scroll. Introduce that in Captain Marvel. I think that could work. Can't hurt. I'm I'm so excited for the actual super scroll to eventually show up uh in in the com- and like i love him in the comics and he continues to find his way into different adventures and different things like now he's going to be a member of the guardians of the galaxy um and so i kind of would i can't wait for him to show up in the mcu but until then you know you're you're going to probably see the evolution of the scrolls um continue to be able to do some different stuff and so yeah maybe maybe she is maybe she uh is has infiltrated earth as a psychiatrist and is and is Carol's psychiatrist, and then we find out that she's actually a scroll. That would be pretty badass. Yeah. Plus, I want to see someone that can fight Carol that has some that has powers that can sort of match her. We we sort of got a mm-hmm. tease of it with with that quick uh, skirmish with Thanos, but it obviously it's it's like a fucking five second moment. But it like imagine if we get someone that can actually stand up to Carol because if it's if it's like it like a normal scroll. They're fucked. Yeah, she's so powerful. Yeah, she can just like fucking you know, like do do like a one inch punch and they'd fucking die. She can fly through a ship. I'm sure she could fly through a scroll. Yeah, so they're fucked. So I hope that she ends. Uh, this this character is Zawi ends up playing has some cool powers that can stand up to Carol. Uh, next up, Black Panther two. They're they're looking for Mayan actors to play some warriors. I've seen some people sort of maybe guess what if this is like. The MCU's take on the Atlanteans, which I thought was pretty fucking sick, if they if they went that route, where you know the, the Atlanteans are sort of a, like a Mayan-inspired race. What do you think? What do you think uh, are these uh, Mayan actors for? I've read a lot of the stuff um, that you're you're referring to about this being somehow you know then related to Namor, and then going back to the to the actor that was cast. Now people think that he might be Namor, and and I read it and it makes sense. Um, the you know obviously Atlantis is in the Atlantic Ocean and the and the little part of, of uh, Central America and Mexico where the Mayans were were known to exist wouldn't be far off from where Atlantis was located in the comics so I think that there's good reason for everyone to to think about that we've heard rumors we even our site dating back to last year of Namor being in the script but then again we don't know what this how things have changed with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Um, the other thing that continues to come to mind for me, if it's not Namor and, and Atlantis, and I said this at the, at the time is Diablo, um, or El Diablo from the fantastic four villain villain. So Ooh. we can, we know that he's been around forever. Um, at, at one point he did hang around in central America and in Mexico for a really long time. So I, I know that it's a, a long shot. But I love the villain, and I, I could see Coogler getting a hold of him and making him something really, really cool. Yeah, I wonder what what they're doing with this, with this film so far because there's a lot of very interesting casting going on with the, uh, what's his name, the uh, the one from Narcos. Yes. So and you have this going on. It kind of seems like they have something unexpected planned for, for uh, for the sequel, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's it's whatever they whatever they do here, um, you're you're certainly getting something that no one was thinking of, right? Like we're, we've cast now 
um, a Mexican actor and, and as the, they think the lead villain, even though I think they said there'd be multiple villains in the film when they, when they cast him. And now, like, I don't I don't think anyone was expecting a casting call to come out specifying Mayan warriors and in, in, in strong supporting roles as well. They're not just like they're not right. going to be there for two scenes in a flashback like these two are there for the long haul. So it's it's interesting that that we're getting this because I certainly don't think anybody had this on their Black Panther 2 bingo list. Uh, next up, we have another exclusive from the site about Twisted Metal. I don't know if you've been uh, you're aware of the, the, the franchise, but Twisted Metal is a very popular PS PlayStation game featuring cars just fucking shooting each other and bumping each other. Yeah, our exclusive is that uh, the Deadpool and Cobra Kai writers are teaming up for the movie. And the rumor is, Will Arnett and Anthony Mack are playing the lead roles. This is this is kind of a fun one. This actually comes from the um, the Illuminati, the Will Arnett stuff did. And then when I started digging into it, following up on what they had reported, I noticed that the the writers of Zombieland and Deadpool were attached to it, and that the Cobra Kai writer was attached to it and serving as the showrunner. And I thought, I mean, I just got fin- I just got done watching Cobra Kai, loved the way that they wrote that it, and, and it has no business being any good at all, but it turns out it's great. Yeah. Um, and then the guys that wrote Deadpool and Zombieland are working on it as well. Um, so I don't, I'm not super familiar with it, but I, I know enough to know that those people are going to get people excited. Um, and I think Arnett is for sure in, um, as the Illuminati, I think they ran it maybe as even as a rumor. I'm not sure, but he's in because he's one of the producers on the show as well. So mm, okay. he's gonna he's for sure gonna be in as that cameo as Sweet Tooth. Um, there was an offer out to Mackie. I have no idea if he's gonna take it. I know that at one point they had offered the same role that Mackie they offered Mackie to uh, Kumail Nanjani, and he turned it oh. down. So obviously they're looking for a, a big name to fill that role as well. So yeah, this is this was kind of cool. It's um like we had a pretty good week of of getting some some exclusives that weren't Marvel related. We had this one. Uh, we had it is I guess Marvel, but not Marvel Studios. We had the spot thing, and then we had um uh, the one about Dan Trachtenberg's Predator movie as well. You were you were asking me like earlier what what this property was all about, and I told you it was like it was like cars just fucking shooting each other. It's like um. It's like a fucking gritty version of Wacky Racers. <laughs> where there's like a, a, a bunch of wacky characters, crazy characters, and they're, they just want to fucking shoot each other and win the fucking race. So, I mean... So, like Death Race, except not? Yeah, yeah, like Death Race, but uh, more, I guess, cartoony? Death Race, Death race meets Wacky Racers. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to make this at least not fun. But then again, it's fucking showing up on the PlayStation service, which we all know hasn't made any sort of um, made any lasting impact in the uh, in uh, in the TV world. So I'm not quite sure what their plan for this is. It feels like this this property is perfect for Netflix. So I don't quite know why Sony is still trying to make their own streaming service happen. Last one, last part of the news, the big controversy. I mean, it's not really controversial because it's sort of expected with all the yeah. fucking crazy shit she's been saying Gina Carano has finally been let go it was not surprising and in in only the only surprising thing was I guess how quickly it happened um, I missed it I don't know if I had the channel muted or if I took a nap or something but I saw the comments and then I looked like four hours later and there was an article up that Joe I think Joe had run the article on the site that she'd been fired and I was like oh shit um, I, for me 
just avoid even to avoid all the contra- the controversial aspects here. Her character was one of the least exciting on the show. Um, there, her first appearance was pretty fun. Uh, in season one, I thought that was a pretty cool episode. But her as a character over the rest of the show that didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to miss the character one way or the other. So I, and I, I highly doubt that they're going to recast or anything like that. So I think the character is just going to be like, ah, eh, she died in a in an X-wing crash, or maybe they'll never say anything. I don't know. So as far as like how it's going to affect enjoying the Mandalorian, it's not going to make a bit of difference to me because I didn't care. And I feel the same way about Carl Weathers character. Like I don't care to spend another second with those guys. I I would rather meet, I'd rather see more of Bill Burr's character. Plus, I mean, the star Wars world is so fucking huge. They, you kind of can get away with not even killing her. Just say she's uh, on another planet in the outer rim. Then you're done. You never ever have to see her again, hear about her again. I've seen some people wonder what's going to happen to the character within the canon. If she's going to die or if she's going to appear in like other um, like animated stuff or books or comics. I think that's definitely on the books. But I'm just finally glad that this shit show is over. The fact that she's been sort of getting away saying a lot of crazy shit. And kind of like not like giving a fuck about what people... Like the people are actually getting hurt by the stuff she's saying. She's, she's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Fucking snowflake. And I'm I'm just kind of glad that it's finally caught up to her. Didn't seem like she really cared that much. Um, yeah, I mean, at all. So I guess it, you know, in the end, it's going to be something that I think hangs around on social media more. Well, people argue about it, and the people who argue about it seem like they probably care more about it than she does. It's also kind of hilarious that on the day she gets fired, Pedro Pascal gets a new show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Landed like a role in Last of Us. Yeah, it's kind of like you know. If that isn't like poetic justice, I don't know what is. Yeah, Pedro's uh, the, the the supposed controversy, alleged controversy around him seems to have amounted to absolutely nothing. And uh, here we here we go with Gina moving on out. All right, guys, thanks for joining us again this week. We continue to be amazed that so many of you want to listen to us bullshit for half an hour or more. But we sure appreciate you continuing to stick with us here. Um, we are, uh, rapidly approaching the end of WandaVision with just three episodes left to go. Uh, if you guys are curious about Charles and I's thoughts on the subject, you can find them at our Patreon in the, uh, Cardinals of the Magus tier, where we are, are spending a lot of time, 30 minutes or more every week, really getting in depth and breaking down what uh, our thoughts on the show. Uh, so again, you can find that at our Patreon and, uh, you guys continue to, to stay safe out there. Have a good week and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.